everybody and welcome back to your favorite podcast about new metal this is the pod cast this is episode number 26 i'm john and with me is a man they call the super beast brian quinby <laughs> i am the super beast that is for sure uh, uh i'm also the living dead girl I was, I'll be honest with you, for me, going into this episode, it was a coin flip between whether I was going to call you Super Beast or Living Dead Girl. (laughs) Well, and I went Super Beast just because I thought it would be fun to say in that, uh, in that sort of vein. Hey, yeah, yeah. I love that fucking song, man. I'm the one that you wanted. Yeah. There's some good, I mean, so yeah, for those of you who haven't maybe figured it out yet, uh, this month we are covering Rob Zombie's Hellbilly Deluxe, uh, which I didn't even realize, Brian, did you know that this album has a subtitle? No, I I know that their shit does. It's always like some long ass shit. Yes. So this one, because you wouldn't notice if you're just listening to this on a streaming app, uh, you wouldn't notice because it's written in very small print under Rob Zombie's demonic looking face. Uh, But this album is called Hellbilly Deluxe colon 13 Tales of Cadaverous Cavorting Inside the Spook Show International. Ugh, This is the guy that fucking read a dictionary. He just read a whole dictionary. Dude. And that, that's what he, I don't like it when people talk like that. I don't, I don't like, I don't like the way that's worded. It bothers me. Well, Brian, how would you feel if I told you that that's like not even the fifth worst album title Rob Zombie has? Oh, I believe, <laughs> I believe you. I mean, he had the perfect title. With White Zombie, Lost Exorcisto, Devil Music, Volume 1, yeah, like, is a great name. And he should have just named the rest of them Devil Music, Volume 2, Devil Music, Volume 3, and just gave it the beginning name, I think, well, is really what I would have done. I agree. I mean, I think Hellbilly Deluxe, great title. Uh, it's a play on Dwight Yoakam's song, Hillbilly Deluxe. Um, so, And it's kind of like... Smart, you know, we've talked about Static X branding their music as evil disco, and we sort of thought that that maybe wasn't super, wasn't maybe like a super successful branding, but Rob Zombie calling his music like hellbilly music is extremely good. I mean, it's like kind of got roots in rockabilly, it's named after hillbilly, but it's hellbilly and I'm scary. Like, it's very good. It's very good branding. I gotta say, though, uh, uh, the other one that you just said, God damn it. I just forgot what the other album was that you picked. <laughs> and now I'm fucking stuck not knowing what I was going to damn say. Oh, uh, like uh, uh, you mean in the poll? No, just now what we were talking about. You brought up two albums and then I totally forgot what the other one was. And now it's just gone way down a path. Well, I I brought up the Dwight Yoakam album. Is that what you're thinking of? No, nope, it was another Deluxe? metal band. Yeah, it was another metal band. See, this, did we're I so see, down yeah, we're... in the hole. <laughs> 
We're far I don't down even remember. I said it myself, apparently, and I now don't I'm even humiliated. remember saying it. <laughs> now I feel humiliated that I, I started talking without knowing exactly how I was going to get to where I was going. And then I was so focused on getting where I was going yeah. that I fucking forgot where I was at. Ooh. It's okay. It's Damn, a, I was good. down somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> come on. Well, it's being recorded, so it's like, you know, it's in the annals it's of only, time. It only works if you write it down. <laughs> yeah, you know what okay. we got to talk about, John? Yeah. Uh, people are anxiously awaiting us talking about this, and I think it's, it's, it's only right to do it right at the beginning of the show. Dad Vibes. The new Limp Biscuit song released yeah. in 2021. Let's talk Ooh. about it. It it's a great song, man. It's a really rules. good song. It's a really good song. And you know what's funny is like I've seen people say I saw people online say that they didn't like it. Like I saw people tweeting about it like, oh, this song is lazy. This song is bad. Um, I saw someone say that Fred's vocals are pushed too high in the mix. And uh, to all of you who are saying things of that nature, I say to you, you're wrong. This song <laughs> is great. It's very it good. ass. Yeah, yeah, it's so good, and it is like okay. So if we're saying it's lazy, all I'm gonna say is like they're trying to do rap rock. You have to update the rap that you're rocking to when yeah. you do rap rock. It it doesn't work if you're still doing the same kind of rapping you did in 1999. When you're trying to do rap rock, that's my explanation for this. So the song is maybe, yeah, it's a little repetitive or whatever, but so is rap music now. Like it really feels like they were trying to pull off something that approximates like current rap music here. Well, and I also think like, you know, if you're a fan of Limp Biscuit, it has all the things in a Limp Bizkit song that you would want. It's got a great riff from Wes in the chorus. It's got Fred clumsily rapping. Uh, it's kind of repetitive. The beat is kind of basic, but it's like what you want. If you like Limp Bizkit, then you like this song. Maybe if you don't like Limp Bizkit, then fine, you know, or maybe you were never like, you know, maybe you like some Limp Bizkit songs, but you don't love Limp Bizkit. But I mean, this is like, you know, this is a Maybe Limp Bizkit like song rearranged. Yeah. Maybe you only like rearranged because you're a fan of ballads, and I don't have a problem with that. I think that's perfectly fine. But this song is almost all Limp Biscuit. There is one thing missing, and that's the breakdown. But I have faith that this is not... Faith? Yeah, like the song by Limp Biscuit. Yeah, that's and right. And George yeah. Michael too, though. Yeah. George Michael made that song too. For people that don't know, uh, the song <laughs> "Faith" by Limp Biscuit is for a people cover who don't a, know. <laughs> yeah, you always got to do that. Hey, for you young people out there, yeah, that, if you didn't know, you know that, "Faith" is not a Limp Biscuit song. You know, <laughs> yeah, this is a little rock and roll history for some of yeah. you people that grow are listening up. to this show. Grow that up. Are like seventeen. Yeah, yeah. grow up. <laughs> All the 17 year old, like all the 17 year olds listening to it. There's no, I mean, okay. If you are 21 or under and you listen to this show, tweet at us. I would be shocked. 
I mean, I think for most people, this podcast is just a, a pure hit of nostalgia. I think most people who listen to this show don't even listen to new metal anymore, even with us listening to it every month on the show. I think they don't listen to the albums anymore. They just go, I remember when I used to listen to those those bands. And I think that's how people interact with this show. So if you're like a new fan of new metal, you're 21 and under and you're listening to the show, tweet at us because I would love to know how many listeners we have in that age range. I bet it's very few. You know, though, it is funny you'd say that the people probably don't listen to new metal now, but like, I know that people listen to the albums when we do them. Every yes, month. there's lots of people who do that for sure. Because like, there's the reason I know that is because people have mentioned it uh, in when they're voting. They say like, I don't want to listen to this. And I'm like, you don't you don't have to listen to it. I do. <laughs> Me and John got to <laughs> listen to it. <laughs> not yeah. you you don't ever have to i but listen they to want all to, kinds yeah. <laughs> i listen yeah. to all kinds of reviews of monday night raw and i'm not gonna spend a second watching that show so like uh but i love listening to reviews because i get to hear what happened from somebody that i like and like uh so you don't actually have to listen to it but there are twisted people john there are seriously, there are people out there that listen to the shock jocks I cover on Shocktober before I do it. So if I say the episode I'm working on, people will go to YouTube and watch all their videos. Oh my God. That sounds <laughs> way worse like, than doing it for this podcast. <laughs> I know. There's got, that's what I'm saying. There's got to be a fucking high percentage of people listening to the albums from this when we talk about them on this podcast, because oh, if yeah. there's even a 1% of people that listen to those shock jocks, then that's crazy. That's crazy behavior. Yeah. I mean, I thought do. the whole point of Shocktober was that you do it so that they don't have to, <laughs> you, you curate it so that they don't, uh, they don't have to go back and do that. Uh, yeah. People I are mean, crazy though. They want to know what's going on. They want to know what, like I, th cause I was like a searcher when I was a young kid where like, if I would hear like, I read who the producers were on albums that I listened to so that right. I could find out who they are and what else they've produced. Like, I really cared about that kind of shit. And there are people that, like, just they want to consume, like, they want to know everything about something. So I get, I get the impulse to, like, listen to the albums and stuff like that i just also wouldn't worry about how the vote turns out and uh really if you're gonna listen to an album i would say listen to the bad ones not the good ones like the good ones they're no fun to listen to they're just good <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you're not a new metal fan anymore listening to the new ones is probably fairly boring i well i would say I bet it's sort of similar to how I interact with comedy now where, and I think I've said this on blocked party before, but I don't know if I've said it on here where I've been doing stand up now for almost 12 years. And I've obviously, when you do stand up, you sit through, uh, an absurd number of stand up comedian sets and shows. And I genuinely don't want to see comedy. That's just like good. I only want to see really bad or excellent. And that's all I'm interested in. So it's like, me too. give me follow the leader or give me crazy town. I do yes. not want, I don't want static X. I don't want Papa Roach. I don't want 
your middle, just give me the best or give me the worst. The in the middle is just kind of like, yeah. I mean, we spend a lot of time talking about like I would say some some middling new metal albums, and I think we always find interesting things to talk about just because uh, you know, the characters of new metal uh are just all interesting, really. Like, I mean, we haven't I don't think this is episode 26. I don't know that we've really done a band where I haven't been able to find something interesting that they've said in an interview or whatever, because people who made this music were all psycho, apparently. Or even the fucking songs that are like, where yeah. you're like, this song fucking sucks, but the lyrics are fucking hilarious, man. <laughs> yeah. They're totally. bad. Hey, I remembered what I was going to say now. Oh, Evil- here it is. Yeah, here it is. Evil Disco was, oh, excellent, was excellent branding. They just didn't live up to what sure, they were yes. selling. I, I think was my thing where it was like, fuck, dude, if somebody made evil disco, I would listen to that all day and all fucking night. That sounds yes. like the best possible kind of music for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think a good to me, what I think of like a, a good version of evil disco is got the life, right? Like that to me is a good version of evil disco. That's like a four on the floor. Right. Like it's a disco beat that David's playing that the bass is absurd, but that to me is like evil disco, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, static X, not, not evil disco, you know, evil but I, I agree. It sounds amazing. I mean, name a band evil disco and I'm there. I mean, that's a great band name. It's a great, it's a great name for anything, you know? Uh, it's like a yes. perfect combination of cool things. Yes. Like disco is fucking cool. Disco people. I mean, I'm sure disco people were awful in the seventies, oh, but yeah. like now when you look at the disco artists you're like they're the coolest looking motherfuckers in the world and then you add that with the other thing that i love which is evil and uh i don't think you can go wrong some band out there has to do this uh we would love to hear it do We'd some love evil to disco it. do disco some evil about disco. satan disco about fucking satan dude would be the coolest shit ever made but that's not what static x just didn't want to call themselves industrial is yeah. really what the whole thing is because industrial was such a like an obvious kind of music for these guys to be into you know like where like when you start naming your favorite bands sometimes you'll name bands that you know the person you're talking to doesn't know maybe you don't but i do because i'm an asshole uh but yeah <laughs> sometimes you'll just be like oh well you know i'm, I'm gonna say a band name. like if i was talking to a friend of mine that only listens to like classic rock i'll be like yeah i, get I like really like sleigh bells like they're a band I'm really fucking <laughs> yes. into it. And I'll be like, I never heard of them. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But like <laughs> now I'll name one that you might like bad company. <laughs> yeah, I think. Well, that also happens a lot in comedy because people will say to me like, oh, you're a comedian. Like who, who are your guy? Like who are your favorite comedians? And I'm just like, you know, you're not, I'm going to say names and you are not going to, you're not going <laughs> to 
get him. I Especially know, because me, like my two favorite comedians, I mean, they're both bigger now than they were sort of like five years ago. But but for quite some time, my two favorite comedians have been Nate Bargatze and Mike Birbiglia, which are two just also they sound like made up names. It sounds yes. like you ask me who my favorite comedian is. And I'm just like, I'm the grease man. I'm just like, baba da bit, baba da boot. Like <laughs> Mike Birbiglia. People are like, that's not a real guy. There's no way Mike Birbiglia is a real guy. Who's your other guy? Nate Bargetsy. Okay. I don't even know. Spell that. I have no clue, you know. And then you're just like, uh, Dave Chappelle. I don't know. There you go. Yeah. Dave Chappelle. I mean, my, <laughs> mine are, it kind of depends on how into the comedy thing you are. But mine are, are Patrice O'Neill and Ron Bennington. So Ron Bennington, I mean, you know, yeah. be lucky if you know who he is. And yeah. and Patrice O'Neill's been dead so long, and uh, <laughs> yeah. people probably just don't think about it. But those were those are like my two like Your favorite guys. dudes. They're like the guys that if I had the ability to be like them, I would be. But I'm too you know anxious and jerky to to pull off that like cool guy fucking stand up. Like, oh, you and me both, man. You and me both. Because yeah, I want to be a very cool guy, but I am not. I'm anxious, man. A very anxious, anxious man. So, well, I think uh, podcasting has really allowed uh, guys like us to thrive. I think I do yeah. think there are people who think we are cool, and that is solely because they can't see us uh, or interact with us in any space that's not online. Yes, that's true. It makes it sound like you're fucking fascinating when you're not at all. You're, you're just like everybody else. I, that's what I always thought about what a comedian did. Like if somebody made a living as a comedian, I just thought the whole day was like taking meetings and fucking partying and like all this stuff. And then when I found out, you know, I make a living as a podcaster now. When I found out that it's like largely nothing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I spend all day listening to stuff so I can goof on it for an hour and a half and then fucking I'm done. And then I go watch what all the 30 for 30s. That's like my whole life. I watch I walk 17 miles and watch all the 30 for 30s. They'll make a 30 for 30 about your walking. You know, the oh, that would be great. The rambling man of Columbus. I, I would love before, it. I would love to be a talking head in a documentary for anything. I, and I like it. Would just it just seems like it'd be so fun. You just get to go in. They ask you a bunch of questions about some incident. I'll be like, yeah, I know Brian. You know, we, I'm his co-host on the POD cast. Oh, POD. Yeah, they're like a new metal band. Uh, they're kind of like Christian leaning. You know, <laughs> cast. We spell that with a K because of corn. Uh, obviously, they were like a huge band. You know, follow the leader. Sold like 13 million copies. Like, I just I want to be that guy. You know, I want to be the I want to be the talking head in something. That would be great. That would be great. I've always wanted to do a thing uh, that's impossible. I, I don't know if this is like an actual possible thing because it would take a ton of money. But I have always wanted to make like a documentary where I walk from Maine to Los Angeles and just like I just spend that amount of time out on the road fucking walking to, from Maine to Los Angeles. <laughs> I mean, that feels like it would take an unbelievable amount of time. I'm going to, I think I've looked at it. It's like three or four months (laughs) is what it would take. (laughs) And I feel like it's almost got to even be longer than that though. Cause you guys, 
I mean, how how many how many how many miles a day are you thinking you're going to walk? Probably thirty if that's all I'm doing is walking. Thirty miles a day for I mean, like three I straight it. months. There's no way you're gonna walk that for three straight months. Brian. I mean, I do. I do <laughs> at minimum. I'll say if I want to go with a minimum, I'll say at least twenty miles a day. For okay, I can I can a hundred percent do twenty miles a day because I already do sixteen to seventeen every day, and like I would. If I'm dedicating my life to it, John, if I'm saying like all I do today is walk, I mean, I come home because I have to come home to eat dinner with my family. (laughs) If I didn't have a family, I don't think I fucking have an apartment. Probably. I just have a place I went to to sleep for eight hours so that I can get back to walking. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so it says (laughs) Google Maps says. It would take you 991 hours to walk from Portland to L.A. So 991 hours is, uh, let's see, divided by 24. So that's 41 days of walking. So if you were walking, let's say you walked for 10 hours a day. Yeah, it would take you 99 days. So, yeah. Yeah. So realistically, three months. I mean, I think it would take you a lot longer, to be perfectly honest, because nope. you need to stop. You need to. Yeah, no, but it would, though. So I, I'd give you six. I think six months you could do it. Yeah, that would be a great documentary, though. Some psycho walked all the way across the country. <laughs> yeah. People I think can meet up with me and shit. You do little interviews and stuff while you're doing it. It's like See, a whole TV idea I have. But that's why it would take you six months. You've got to be stopping to do all these interviews. You got to do your documentary. Oh, no, I'd be like, I ain't stopping. I ain't stopping. You got to meet me on my route. You got to meet me. I don't like waiting around. And if you got to go to the bathroom, I'm just going to keep walking. Because that's how I feel when I take my walks during the day. It's like if somebody comes with me and they're like, I got to tie my shoe. I'm like, God damn it. Now we're stopping to tie your shoe. How many how many times a day do you stop when you're walking? Like either to go to the bathroom. Do you eat? Like do you stop to eat? Yeah, I carry food in my backpack. Oh, okay, like a so backpack you don't like stop at a place to eat. Like I felt like nope. maybe you would walk to like a coffee shop every day or nope. something. No, no, okay. absolutely not. No, no. Well, I do walk to a coffee shop, Starbucks. I order online and then I walk in and take my coffee and just keep rolling. Keep rolling right out baby. the door. Yeah. So. Okay. So I'm how many crazy. times did you say you stop between like the bathroom, uh, you know, stopping to eat? Like how many times in your in your daily walk do you stop? I probably pee like six times, but I don't stop to eat because it's like cliff bars and fruit and stuff like that I have with me. So I just eat it while I'm walking. OK, OK. You know, so just, just keep it going. Keep okay. it going. Just go to the bathroom. But even the bathroom, it's just I stop. I don't go into a place. I just pee. Not. Like right like out in your public, pants? but no, I have places to go. I have places around town that I sure. know that I can go pee. Right. There's bushes, good big but They actually just cut down a bunch of trees at one of my peeing spots, and I was kind of pissed about it. I wanted you to yell weren't. At them. You weren't actually pissed. If you get, no, if you well, get my I meaning, pissed. that's your problem. I still okay, pissed. But- I didn't care. You know, it's not by a school or anything. You're allowed to do yeah. pee. But yeah, um, yeah. That's so Limp Biscuit's good. <laughs> so if you're by a school, you're not allowed to do pee. No, you're not. You can't, pull your, you can't pull your pee pee out no, when yeah. you're by a school. And I, there's people been get have gotten in trouble for it. Yeah, yeah. So no, I, I know. I mean, I, I'm a teacher. I understand. 
I didn't whip my pee-pee out to take a pee-pee at school. I never did that. Okay? Unless it was closed. Sometimes I would do it then. Oh, like in if the it, summertime. You're like, oh, there's no kids around. We're good. Or like at night when I'm out there at like 10 right. o'clock at night. Sure. You know? Because sometimes yeah. I'll walk till midnight. I'm crazy as fuck. I'm, I'm twisted when it comes to walking. <laughs> you are twisted. I'm the uh, walking joker. I'm the, the walking joker. <laughs> Have you ever seen a pencil disappear? Yeah. <laughs> and then you just it's throw in it in the shoe. sewer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's a golf. It's like a mini golf pencil. (laughs) (laughs) So it just fits under your arch. Uh, Well, you know, speaking of twisted jokers, let's get to the Rob Zombie album. But before we do that, I do, Brian, I I just I desperately have to tell you his other album titles. Okay, just before we get into Hellbilly Deluxe. So he has Hellbilly Deluxe, 13 Tales of Cadaverous Cavorting Inside the Spook Show International. Then... He gets sort of normal for two albums. The next one is called The Sinister Urge. And then the next one after that is called Educated Horses. I don't quite know what that means, but it's, you know, a relatively normal combination of words. Then the next four all go off the deep end. And Brian, I'd like you to rank these from worst to best after I say them. Here we go. Hellbilly Deluxe 2. Noble Jackals, Penny Dreadfuls, and the Systematic Dehumanization of Cool. Okay, so that's number one. Uh, Next one. Venomous Rat Regeneration Vendor. Uh, Okay, let me just keep this because I'll forget them. First one is so far the worst, and I can't imagine it doesn't change. Uh, I I get ready. (laughs) The Electric Warlock Acid Witch Satanic Orgy Celebration Dispenser. Oh, man, what I through that whole thing, I was like, this is great. And then you said dispenser, and I said, I hate this. <laughs> that word fucking ruined it. Yeah, not good. Dispenser. Uh, what is, why a dispenser? I don't like, know. He, he's like, oh, it's, it's, I'm dispensing all of this acid witch shit. I don't like it. Yeah, no, it's not good. And then finally, this last one just came out this year, 2021. Oh. The, the Lunar Injection Kool-Aid Eclipse Conspiracy. Not bad. That one's not bad. That's the best one okay. that we've heard. Because conspiracy, it it seems like the last word in these things is what pisses me off or bums me out. It doesn't piss me off. I'm not mad. I'm just bummed out after hearing like dispenser as the last word. Like and the one I I I can't remember the full name of it because it's eighty seven words long, but the one where it talks about the death of cool. Yeah. That one hell- I hate. I hate so much. Hellbilly Deluxe 2, Noble Jackals, Penny Dreadfuls, and the Systematic Dehumanization of Cool. Yeah, I hate that because, you know, we'll get to it when we talk about the articles, but this dude, this dude's something else. I'm just going to say, he's a a dork. That's what he is. He's just a big nerd and a dork. Yeah. But, uh, you know. Yeah, he's a big. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, fucking... There's so many people that are so into like nerd stuff these days. It's fine. You can be that. I'm not going to get mad at you for it. I just think, you know. Yeah, you like you, you like your guys cool. I every guy I like cool. Yeah. 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 I only like cool people. That's just the way that I roll. Yeah. Cuz I'm I a cool dude myself. That's right. That's exactly right. So, uh Rob Zombie's Hellbilly Deluxe the first one, the 13 tales of whatever, uh, 
came out. I won't. I just I didn't read it again for your own sake, Brian. Uh, it came out on August 25th, 1998. So it came out one week after the famous August 18th, 1998, when we had Corns Follow the Leader, Orgies, uh, Stitches. Was that the album name? No, something else. No, Candy Ass. Candy Ass. That's right. I knew it wasn't Stitches. Stitches is the song, obviously. And there was another August 18th. Uh, 1998 album too. There was a third one. I'm trying to remember. Let me look. 1998 uh, music releases. Should have looked this up before we got here. Oh yeah, Kid Rock. So Devil Kid Without Rock. Devil Without a Cause, Follow the Leader, and Candy Ass all come out on August 18th, 1998, and then one week later, Hellbilly Deluxe by Rob Zombie comes out. Uh, it was recorded between August 1997 and June 1998. It was Rob Zombie's first solo album after leaving uh, his first group, White Zombie, uh, obviously, who Brian brought up earlier. Uh, it was a huge commercial success. Uh, it peaked at number five on the U.S. Billboard 200. It peaked at number two in Canada. It ended the year at number 103 on the U.S. Billboard 200 and then ended the charts uh, in 1999 at 53. So it actually sold even more copies in 1999 than it did in 1998. Uh, it stayed on the chart for 66 weeks in a row following its release. Uh, it's gone two times platinum in Canada and three times platinum in the United States. It sold over 5 million copies worldwide. Uh, it obviously spawned three massive singles, Dragula, Living Dead Girl, and Super Beast. Uh, both were, or all three were hits, although uh, none of them made the charts in the States, uh, except for um, uh, Living Dead Girl made the uh, U- UK singles charts. Um, oh, and sorry, and so did Dragula. Uh, and then what else do we have to say about this album? That's really about it. Uh, the three singles came out in 98, 99, and later in 99. And then uh, a remix album was also quite popular. Uh, it was called American Made Music to Strip By, uh, which was a remix album of this album. Uh, and it was also uh, very popular. It debuted at number 38 on the Billboard 200 chart in the United States and has gone on to sell over 300,000 copies worldwide, which is not too bad for a remix album. Uh, Brian, let's uh, first start with our history uh, with Rob Zombie. What was your, were you a Rob Zombie guy back in 1998? Were you a white zombie guy? What was your sort of general history with Rob Zombie? I was a white zombie guy, way white zombie guy, but uh, no, no, once it turned into Rob Zombie, I was kind of out on it. I saw I saw him live a bunch of times though, and he's fun. He's fun to see in concert. Uh, but uh, no, I I liked White Zombie more. Um, I I saw White Zombie like one of my proudest kind of shows was seeing White Zombie and Pantera on the uh, War of the Gargantuans tour. And uh, what a name for a tour. That's awesome. I mean, they were gargantuans, though. This is Astro Creep time and Great Southern Tranquil time. So, like, they were both on top of the fucking world at that time. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I like the White Zombie albums. I think the Rob Zombie stuff gets a little too goofy for me. Uh, there are songs that I really like, but too goofy really i mean this is like him goofing off and being kind of a dork a little bit yeah i mean i would say that that's probably true um 
Now, were you like, I'm just trying to think about like at the time, were you like, was part of the reason you didn't like Rob Zombie because you liked White Zombie so much? Like you were sort of mad at the breakup? I don't know, really, because I don't think that like I was particularly angry about the breakup. I just thought like I liked what he was doing in White Zombie a little bit more. I think I also kind of felt like like there was something about the combination of musicians that I liked that it kind of irritated me that it wasn't them. And and like I'll just get into this now. I think the main thing that irritates me about it is that like there's no real discernible difference between the fucking sounds. It's not like he fucking quit disbanded white zombie and then changed everything that didn't happen this still just sounds like white zombie yeah no i think that that's true and i think it's interesting there's a there's we're gonna obviously read a couple articles later um but i thought it was fairly interesting where uh he sort of talked about how part of the reason for the white zombie breakup was that white zombie wanted to like stop being cartoony. And he sort of like blamed it on them. He says, this is a quote from the Los Angeles times. Uh, the article's called that old white magic from December, 1998. Pardon me. And he said, uh, they wanted to quote, be taken seriously as musicians says zombie of his former bandmates. All of a sudden they wanted to be like Jeff Beck or Eric Clapton. And I was like, screw that. I mean, why do I care what critics think about me? Everything I love has always been hated by the critics. Uh, and then in a separate interview, former white zombie member, Sean, you So, so I don't know. That's how he just said. You salt. But assault, I, yeah, sure it's probably, wrong. yeah, me too. Uh, calls Zombie's assertion a flat out lie. Adds the bassist, who's now with the trio Famous Monsters. Rob wanted to do his own thing, and we were fine with it. He can tell people as many lies as he wants, but would I be running around in costume playing surf garage music if I wanted to be taken seriously like Jeff Beck? Uh, and then he goes yeah. on to concede that it was more about boredom than it was about anything else. Uh, but yeah, very interesting. Uh, it seems like the the breakup just seemed like Rob maybe wanted like a little more creative control or something. I don't know. But I agree yeah. with you that I, I never felt like there was a huge separation between the two either. Although White Zombie were a little before my time. But just like going back and listening to some of the White Zombie stuff, uh, you know, that's sort of the feeling that I get as well. It's so good. And like uh uh it to me that part of that article actually read like the rest of the band was like I wanted I wouldn't mind doing something a little bit more like cool and like serious is because he makes it sound like he wanted to be goofy to yes. me. Yeah, that's that what piece. exactly. Yeah. Well that's what I don't like about <laughs> yeah. the Rob Zombie like the album. I don't dislike this album. I, I want to say that right off the bat. I think this was a fine listen. It was pretty good. It's just not as good as like Los Exorcisto or uh, Astro Creep. Those two albums are fucking monsters. They're so fucking good. And then this just sounds like White Zombie, but like less evil, I guess, to me in a way. I don't, I don't, uh, 
I like I said, I'd have to go back and listen to the old white zombie ones because maybe I'm thinking about it through rose colored glasses. And maybe really what happened was the gimmick was kind of over for me after Astro Creep. That if right if White Zombie had made another album, I would have fucking been like, I uh, you know this is a little cheesy. You know that's also yeah. a possibility. We'll never know because he didn't end up doing it. But like, I could have just been done with the gimmick. You know, you know how I feel about rockabilly and stuff. So yeah, there was always good. a possibility. <laughs> yeah, there's always a possibility that I would have got tired of this shit. Yeah, that's that makes sense. I, I think uh, for me, I sort of felt like, and maybe this is true of a lot of people um, at the time. <clears throat> Rob Zombie. Uh, so again, I was 13 when this album came out. So to me, Rob Zombie was like another Marilyn Manson. And I was scared of Marilyn Manson uh, because, you know, I was scared of everything. I mean, I was scared of corn too, but I listened to corn. Marilyn Manson, I was like legitimately frightened of, even though I liked a few of his songs. The idea of like buying a Marilyn Manson album was like, I'm never doing that. Uh, and then, and then Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson were very connected. Whereas I, where I sort of felt at first anyway, I was like, Oh, this guy's kind of doing what Marilyn Manson is doing. And then I remember seeing the Dragula video on much music and it's a very, very goofy video. And I feel like I saw that. And then I was like, Oh, this guy's sort of like a Marilyn Manson that I can like cheer for, you know, that he's not some like scary guy. Like he's sort of doing this as a bit because it, because again, you have to remember, like it's easy to look back in 2021 and, and whatever, but looking back on or being in that time period, like Marilyn Manson, you felt like he was probably living the gimmick, right? That's how you get the sort of, Oh yeah. He re, well, yes. And we obviously know that now in, in very terrible ways. And I apologize for having to bring him up on the show, but I just do, I do think that that is sort of the comparison, but there was this sense of like, Oh, Marilyn Manson's probably at home eating bats and brewing potions. And he took his ribs out to suck his own dick and blah, blah, blah. And then Rob Zombie's like, Hey, hey, I'm driving a scary car in this video. <laughs> like it was almost like, you know, he, he was, I mean, he said he's very inspired by the Munsters and that's sort of what it felt like. It was like this sort of accessible, scary guy. And so you're like, oh, this is cool. This is like a scary guy, but he's like kind of joking and I can get into it. You know, Rob, Rob Zombie is like, like, like Marilyn Manson for, uh, little budding comedians like 14 year old kids that are going to become comedians yeah me exactly (laughs) i was like hell yeah this guy's funny and i like him and yeah i mean i do still think there was part of me that maybe thought he was like a little bit scary or whatever but i think for the most part it was uh you know it was enjoyable. And I remember the singles be the singles were monsters, you know, and I, yeah, I am, yeah. I'm, I'm looking now. Um, so I, I incorrectly said the songs never charted Dragula and living dead girl, both made the top 10 of the mainstream oh, yeah. of the mainstream rock tracks chart. And super beast uh, was nominated for best metal performance at the Grammys. Um, so all three of the singles had a big impact. And this is very funny, Brian, you and I have looked at some, uh, <laughs> some Grammy shit before. So this is in 1990, the 42nd Grammys. Uh, so 1999, some of the most interesting metal shit on earth is happening. New metals oh. in its, in its heyday. 
what do you think which bands do you think are nominated for best metal performance oh well there's gonna be a metallica or like a, a a judas priest or something in there maybe uh so close so i would say in the um in the iron sort maiden of, uh no uh good guesses no uh ministry so you got okay. min- ministry in there with bad blood uh and then you have <laughs> motorhead's cover of enter sandman uh was oh, no- was fuck. nominated for a grammy and then you have uh obviously rob zombie super beast uh then you have nine inch nails uh, with Star Fuckers Inc. So a little bit. That's oh, a good song. Yeah, good song. L- a little bit past Nine Inch Nails, real heyday. And then <laughs> the song that won the best metal performance Grammy in 1999 was Iron Man Live by Black Sabbath. Of course, of course. They always got to give it to <laughs> some fucking give- 1960s or 70s shit. They're just like, isn't that insane? I don't know. They figured out heavy metal back in in 1984, and uh, that's what it is now. And the Grammys are the the yeah. Grammys are the worst thing in the world. I think really, Quite, they're oh the yeah, they're so dumb. Criminal. They're such a criminal organization. Is how I feel about them. Like fuck you, the Grammys. Iron but, uh, Man Live, a song written in 1970, winning a Grammy almost 30 years later. I don't know how they vote on. I guess like it's probably all the Grammy people just go to the heavy metal thing and they're like, oh, I recognize. I used to like Black Sabbath. Yeah. 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 I I mean, and and fucking Iron Man of all the Black Sabbath songs. Listen, (laughs) I'm sure back when Iron Man came out, people were like, oh, my fucking God, that's Iron Man. But there are a lot better Black Sabbath songs than Iron Man. Well, why couldn't Snowblind live? be uh, uh nominated or or fairies wear boots or uh war pigs even war pigs is probably too far for me at this point but uh, yeah, yeah. children of the grave you know they got so many badass songs and they picked iron man live iron man well, live. I'm, yeah. I'm mad for like eight reasons now it's I from got- the it's from the reunion live album by black sabbath released on october 20th 1998 as implied by the title the album features a reunion of the original lineup of ozzy osbourne tony iomi geezer butler and bill ward uh the album represents the first new release featuring that version of the group since 1978's never say die and osbourne's subsequent firing the following year uh they received their first ever grammy award for the live recording of iron man taken from this album uh so i will it does have fairies wear boots on it and it does have snowblind so Tight. either one yeah. of those could have been chosen Fucking uh, but snowblind no. bangs dude oh my god snowblind's good what a well, good song they went with Iron Man. Not with the so. Grammys. The Grammys went with Iron Man. They were just like, yeah, fucking. We know that Iron song. Man. I heard that one. Yeah, yeah. They probably. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I like getting into this album. I think I liked it. But like White Zombie is a really weird band. Like Rob Zombie is a really weird artist to like, I guess, listen to the first, second and third time. You know, because I had never listened to this full album. I knew the singles, but I hadn't really listened to this full album just out of like I was out of Rob Zombie at that time. I was like leaning way further into like new metal 
like the like the head like the spine shanks and and the fucking corns and you know like you said three fucking badass new metal albums came out right before this this was what lost got lost in the shuffle with me i think so listening to it now it's like you know these songs maybe i think they hold up better than a lot of the stuff we do on here but like that's just because rob zombie is just a vibe like his, his whole thing he's he's just a guy that's like a sound and like yeah. uh, uh you know exactly what you're getting every single song and for a guy that fucking talks about his artistic integrity all the time he fucking does the same thing over and over again and then make sure you're like I, I, you know, I don't want to make money off this. I, you know, I don't care if I make any fucking money. You know, I'd, yeah, I would be doing this anyway. <laughs> if I was fucking a roofer, I'd be doing this. So, you know, that's me, Rob Zombie. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's very funny. I just when I was reading those album titles earlier, I thought I got to check out the the Wikipedia page for the Lunar Injection Kool Aid Eclipse Conspiracy and. uh yeah, the which ironically reached number one on the Billboard 200. I don't know if that's because of COVID or what, but Rob Zombie had a number one <laughs> album in 2021. But he had this quote in the, in the Wikipedia article, and it made me laugh because I just feel like, granted, I have not listened to this Rob Zombie album that came out in the year 2021, but I just don't imagine it's any different than anything he's ever done. But he has this quote here. This is him describing this album. Whenever we start making a record, we don't work in a sense where we go into a rehearsal space and jam and come up with riffs. We don't function like that. When I start day one of recording, there's no music that exists. We just record as we create. And after all these years, you kind of are just trying to find new things to do because there's a certain formula you have or you could have that it would take about two seconds to write that type of song. But you always want to try to figure out new avenues that you can explore. And that's really what it is. And maybe Rob Zombie has written way different songs than I'm imagining he's written since this album came out, but I just don't think so. I no, feel he, like he just keeps writing that type of song. Right. Horror horror movie sample followed by dun 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 That is a rob I just did a Rob Zombie song. Yeah, actually, you, you I, that was you can do it. In, you can do it in two seconds. You proved it. Yeah, I could yeah. do that. I could make this song. I didn't need to learn how to play guitar and drums and bass and maybe how to sample stuff and uh, <laughs> also maybe the keyboard or synthesizer or organ or whatever he uses. I'd also have to learn how to sing and uh, I would also need to become artistically inclined. Uh, all those So a things, lot of things would have to happen here. So what you're yeah. saying is Rob Zombie's actually pretty talented. He's managed <laughs> to cross off all these. He's ticked all these boxes that you have failed to tick. I mean, it's just like a list of a, f that's just a list of a few things that I would need. And then I would fucking be Rob Zombie. Okay. I would be him. I, and you know what? I'm being really unfair because I do, even though I think it's goofy, I think the aesthetic is kind of, let me say this. It's, it's, 
I don't want to say cool. So I'm going to use a word that means good, but also not cool. And that word is, I think it's neat. I think it's a fucking. <laughs> this is just neat. <laughs> it's in neat music. It's Rob Zombie. You're fucking neato. <laughs> I like that too. That also sounds like a sample that Rob Zombie would have before a song. Some lady being like, I think it's neato. I think it's the neatest thing I've ever seen. Da 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 da. Yeah, totally. I thought. <laughs> I think, too, what is also funny, sorry I keep skipping ahead to the interviews, but this quote really stuck out to me, where this was a very Spider One-ass quote, where he said he doesn't even plan out the samples either, like that all just happens in the moment. So the question was, this is from an Inc. 19 interview, which I don't really know what Inc. 19 is, but this is from November of 1998. The question was, I don't hear that much sampling going on this album, but how do you remember all that stuff when you go to put the samples in? How does it come to you that, boy, I should use this from The Mummy, or I should use something from this movie? Rob Zombie says, sometimes, if I'm actually on the ball enough, I'll write something down. I'll watch a movie, jump up, and write something down. But most of the time, I forget. It's just usually over the course of making a record, I'll be watching lots of movies because there's a lot of boring hours involved. I'll basically just do it all at the same time. It's not like I've had this great sample stored up for years in my mind. It usually all kind of happens with the music because I don't know what the music's going to sound like in advance, so I don't know what samples would make sense. It all happens at the same moment. Uh, which is such a like, it reminded me of Spider One being like, yeah, I love science fiction. I bring close encounters of the third kind on the bus with me everywhere we go or whatever he said. Yeah. And the sample thing is like, so when I did Party World Wrestling, uh, uh, Tim Faust is involved in this like wrestling promotion. It's like kind of a joke wrestling promotion. It's like yeah. evil and stuff like there's like, evil worms and shit like that in it or and and uh me and brett opened for them they 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 asked us if we wanted to stand in a wrestling ring and do our act and i was like fuck yeah i do i always want to stand in a wrestling ring and do my act and then they asked us to do a little bit of commentary or whatever and they said uh uh you guys can do entrances too do you have any entrance music and i said uh porno creep by corn like in a fucking second I said those words because I have been thinking my whole life, what would I walk out on stage to? <laughs> and Porno Creep by Corn or Waiting for the Man by Velvet Underground are the two things I want to walk out to. Yeah, no, exactly. And he doesn't he doesn't seem to care, Bri. He does not have the same amount of care for it than that you do. Uh yeah, no, I, I think. I think the thing for me too is that it's weird that how do I put this? Like I haven't listened to any other Rob Zombie albums. I don't think I feel like maybe I've heard the single off of the sinister urge. The single was called feel so numb. I feel like I've heard that before. Uh, there's also feel one so called numb, feel so numb. Yeah. yeah feel yeah. so numb. I don't know what he's saying. I think he's dead. Rob Zombie yes. song. Just exactly. did a Rob you, Zombie you did song, it again. baby. Yeah, you're killing it. Uh, I So, yes, I would say without having really heard 
any other Rob Zombie songs. Sometimes you just hear an artist and you're positive that they've reached the peak of their ability. And I feel like this is both a problem for Hellbilly Deluxe and a problem for Rob Zombie in general. The three best songs he's ever written are the first three songs on this record. I mean, there's an intro that's like 40 seconds long. And then it just goes bang, bang, bang. It just goes uh, one, two, three on Hellbilly Deluxe. The the three big singles, Super Beast, Dragula, Living Dead Girl. And I think even if I was listening to this in 1998, I would be positive those are the three best songs he's ever going to write yeah. that are just going to encapsulate his style perfectly and you don't feel like, oh, gosh, I need to hear more from this guy. You're like, I got the three songs I want. These three songs are awesome and they fucking whip ass. And I'm now I'm good. I'm, I'm, I don't yeah. need any. I don't need anything else. Yeah, I mean, th- th- those songs are great. Like, that's the fun thing about this album is that, like, the first bunch of songs is pretty fun. The the not fun thing about this album is that it falls off a very steep cliff. Uh uh and I I'm going to tell you the song. Uh John. you and I have different ideas of which song it falls off on, I think. I, I agree. I'm going to tell you and and this is not a I'm going to tell you this. This is not an overreaction. It's one of the top 3 most unpleasant songs that I've ever listened to for this show. And that is how to make a monster is that song was so unpleasant. I thought my headphones were broken. Yes. And then I thought my phone was fucked up. And then I just was like, then the next song kicks on and it sounds normal. And I was like, Oh fuck this fucking guy. Like it pissed me off. It pissed me off. Like, like how people got mad at the end of the Sopranos when it was like <laughs> they thought their cable went out like and I didn't even get that mad about that but I got mad about this in that same exact now I know how those people feel because I was just like this song sucks it sounds like <laughs> a fucking tornado sirens going off in the background right and then it is just like totally it's like listening to a song on AM radio which even in 1998 you didn't have to do. You didn't have to listen to music on AM radio. I don't know who that song is for, but I don't like it. Yeah, so that song it's just like a 90 second interlude and it's sort of like Rob Zombie in like distorted almost like CB radio style vocals saying like how to make a monster. Like it's sort of like half spoken word. Um, I agree. So for me, uh, I'm at the same point as you. I think I think um, so. So it goes the three big singles. Then there's like a little instrumental interlude called Perversion 99, which is fine. Then there's two good songs, Demonoid Phenomenon and Spook Show Baby. I actually think Spook Show Baby is is actually quite a good song. I think it's not quite as good as the three singles, but it's in that vein it's got a great chorus he's just he leans right into his spook show baby and it's just like you can imagine reading these articles about his live shows where he's got like go-go dancers in cages and shit like that you can totally picture that song live being super fun i'm all on board with that and then i agree with you the rest of the album after that sucks ass and i would never listen to it i won't listen to it again and i 
Tommy Lee plays drums on two of the songs that come after that. Yeah, that guy's a fucking turkey too. I mean, yes. it's funny that the I called him a turkey. I first of all, I called Rob Zombie neat, and then I said Rob Zombie. I mean, Tommy Lee, that guy's a real turkey. More like Turkey Lee, <laughs> am I right, guys? <laughs> Now, that would have been funny if I would have said that, but I was just calling a guy a turkey. <laughs> yeah, um, it's just it's just shitty. Like even like this is very, uh, you know, presumptuous of me. But as soon as I, I looked at it, when I downloaded the album to listen to it for this episode and I saw that that there was a track called The Ballad of Resurrection Joe and Rosa Whore, I was like, well, that's not going to be a good song. I just know that song's not going to, there's no way you can have a song called that, called that and think it's going to be good. It's just, it's like disturbed having a song called dropping plates. You're like, there's just no way that a song called dropping plates is going to be like a hit on this album. There's just no, there's simply no way that that's happening. Rosa whore. Oh God. The ballad. I didn't even, I don't look at the titles usually, but, uh, yeah, these are bad titles. That the Ballad of Resurrection Joe and Rosa Whore is one of the worst. <laughs> I mean, the thing is though, this album is going to get a high score from me. One, I maybe I'm grumpy because I read the articles after I listened to the album right. a few times and then they the articles made me grumpy. They made me kind of like, "Oh, fuck this fucking guy." You know, they gave me that feeling. But like I will say that I plan to give this album a pretty high score on the strength of the stuff that is good is really fucking good. Yeah. And I mean, I think that everybody can kind of agree with that. I mean, I don't really recall. I don't I don't recall people saying like, oh, boy, Dragula, what a bad song. Like, I think even like because those songs crossed over too. I mean, we're talking about a record that sold 3 million copies. These songs charted in the top 10 on mainstream. Like these songs are getting played on radio on, on much music and MTV. Like, you know, you can, you can reasonably find people who never listened or liked rock music or new metal or metal who are like Dracula. That song. I love that song. Get through the ditches and burn through the Like they know the song they've listened to it. They like it. Um, so that's the thing is like there is, despite this sort of being that rockabilly sort of industrial, sort of new metal, sort of metal, you know, he's got, there's obviously a lot of genres he's sort of pulling from, but it's kind of his own style. It's still quite poppy and quite accessible. Um, all of the songs have that sort of quality to them. And like, I kind of, it was funny. I was listening to this and uh, I was doing my usual routine of listening to this and playing Tony Hawk. So I was like sort of focused on Tony Hawk while also listening to this. And I was like, this just sounds like Rob Zombie tried to make music that you would play in a haunted house. And like, that's cool. It does kind of sound like that. Like, and then he went on to make a Halloween compilation. Pardon me, which he had a very funny quote about in one of the articles. Uh, I'll see if I can pull it up later. But he had a quote about how, you know, he that Halloween music was like super lame and it's like all for kids. And he wanted to make Halloween music for adults, <laughs> which is just which is a very stupid quote, but also, uh, you know, pretty apt. So, yeah, I, I think definitely like what Rob Zombie sets out to do here. Um, I think he mostly does. I do think the last like five tracks of the album are pretty weak, uh, but the three singles really tower over the whole thing. And then you've got 
spook show baby, which I think is a, an underrated deep cut jam on here. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. Like, is it a great album that I'm going to listen to over and over again? No, but am I going to hear those three singles probably for the rest of my life? Yes. Yeah. And I'll enjoy them. I mean, it's actually kind of, a uh, the, the, the Dracula is a meme song basically. Yeah. Now, I mean, people love Dragula. It's so popular and it's good. It's because it's good. You know, Rob Zombie has that hillbilly vibe that fucking gets me. You know, he understands. I know he's from Boston or near Boston. I'm not going to I'm not I'm not going to treat him the same way I've treated Aaron Lewis, another guy from New England that acts like a hillbilly. Uh, I, I'm going to let that slide. <clears throat> But, like, I always, you know, I like hillbilly stuff. So that's the other thing that I uh, uh, I, I kind of like about Rob Zombie. But but these articles, man, they yeah, did let's, him let's get to, let's no get to the articles. fucking favors, man. Yeah, was there. So we got three articles. I've talked about two of them already. There's one from the L.A. Times uh, from December of 1998. There's one from Inc. 19 from November of 1998. And then there's a full Rolling Stone profile. One of our favorite things to look at on this show. There's a full Rolling Stone profile. And the title is just Rob Zombie Monster of Rock uh, by Stephen Daly. And that came out February 1999. Uh, Brian, across any of the three articles, was there uh, what what were some of the things that stood out to you? The Rolling Stone article, of course, is the one that always most fucking makes me happy. But the zombie mobile glides eastward with in-flight entertainment of a suitably sanguineous sort, a video (laughs) compilation of highlights from obscure Italian zombie flicks, German soft porn variants, and American genre classics like Dawn of the Dead. The heckling starts the minute they first hollow-eyed mutant lurches forth. Hey, look, Billy Corrigan. It's Mystery Science 3000 in leather pants. Like, ugh, I don't want to be on that bus at all. Like, that no. did not make me want to be on the fucking tour bus. Knowing that they watch bad horror movies and, and like, make bad jokes at the screen is very difficult for me to uh, uh, like, I guess. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's just... Everything about him, like I said, we did, we covered Power Man 5000 last month and we sort of found that Spider One seemed to be a sort of boring and generally somewhat cantankerous guy. And Rob Zombie's worse. I mean, he just seems, yeah, he seems like absolutely insufferable to be around. Uh, This is, uh, this this part like he it, across all three of these articles he consistently talks like this but this one's from the Rolling Stone one for most of his conscious life rob zombie has been in restless pursuit of dot 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 something better i would always get really mad whenever anybody told me something was good nothing was ever good enough for me says the man born robert cummings 33 years ago in haverhill massachusetts i remember entering these drawing contests at the local public library as a kid and winning and then i'd look at my work and say this sucks and i would destroy it my mom would always say if you don't cheer up i'll send you to a psychiatrist teachers always asked me how come you hate everything that was the catchphrase of my life When White Zombie albums were finished, I'd immediately go, that record sucks, and I'd never listen to it again. I guess trying to make the perfect record is an endless quest, but I find that people that are always happy with what they do tend to do crap work. 
Oh, okay. So you think everything you make sucks, and that makes it good. Because yes, you, you don't care enough about your audience to make something good. You you only make things that you think suck, which is, I mean, that's not something I would want to do. Make things that I think suck. No, totally. And it's just like, yeah, like you said, it's oxymoronic to be like, I think my work sucks, but that's why it's good. And it's like, well, but you just said it sucked. It's very confusing. And yeah, he's, like I said, across all three interviews, just super happy to tell everybody that he's miserable and he hates everything he's ever done. But then also, but then also brags, but then he brags about a lot of it, right? Like there's also a lot of bragging that happens within, like, I loved this one quote from the LA times article. Let me take a peek at it here. Uh, I just loved it. It was the way the article ended too. Uh, So this article is called that old white magic. And uh, it's just so funny because he shits on other people too, which is the best part. Um, So they're talking about his stage show and how his stage show is so crazy. And then he says, when grunge came on the scene, it sucked all the fun out of rock music, says Zombie. I mean, when you and this is in 1998. So he's attacking grunge in 98. I mean, grunge is already over. I mean, when you pay 25 bucks to see a show, do you want to see some artist whining about his problems or some crazy show that you'll be talking about for the next year? I see there's a whole new generation of kids that's been longing for this stuff. Kids come up to me all the time after shows to say thanks for not just standing there and staring at my feet. Oh yeah, they do. That probably that really happens too. I bet you that constantly is happening. Every show. Uh, in some ways, I feel like I'm the let's cut the BS guy in rock right now. He says, I'm so sick of bands that are like, we're so for our fans and you meet them and they're like the most pretentious guys you ever met. I mean, I lose sleep over everything. I'm so paranoid about everything I do. And so many bands don't give a shit. When I was a kid, when I found out something wasn't real, I was like, what the hell? I'm not Mr. Spooky on stage and something else off stage. The stage set is what my house looks like. Kids know what they're getting into and you can't fool them because you know that's what i was thinking when i go to a rob zombie show right i'm thinking if this guy's house doesn't look like this stage fuck this shit (laughs) it's just so stupid like none of that is real no one cares it's so dumb yeah yeah i i i think that like he is a guy when when you do something that people listen to i guess um you do try to figure out what it is that they like about what you do and then you like put those words in their mouth sometimes like if you're just like having a conversation and you like you're talking to somebody who who maybe doesn't know what you do and you're like well you know it's like kind of this and this and and you know, the people that like it seem to say it's this and it's like they didn't say that to you. You just fucking build that in your brain because that was what your thing is. That's Rob Zombie has those vibes like where he just thinks that like, first of all, he does think that everybody thinks it's so cool that he suffers, uh, that he's miserable and he hates everything he does to me. That makes it sound like he does stuff that he thinks sucks, and uh, he thinks the audience are a bunch of idiots for liking it, (laughs) is what it sounds like to me. And I understand self-loathing. Believe me, do I understand self-loathing. I have plenty of it. But, like... I don't I just think those are things that like when you say them you sound like a 
way more of an asshole than you might think you sound, you know? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think he just, yeah, he has a tendency to say that really a lot. Uh, he kind of talks about I, that. Go ahead. I want to talk a little more about what goes on on the bus. Yeah, please. Be- because these guys, these fucking guys, new cast members were found not among the ranks of shopworn industry hirelings, but in obscure branches of the zombie family tree. Blasco Nicholson, a distant cousin, was languishing in anonymous L.A. outfits before the Hellbilly mission. Guitarist Riggs Robinson was hunting squirrels on a 55-acre family compound in Arkansas while working at a boat factory. Now here he is, strutting before adoring multitudes and slashing at a hollow guitar full of red liquid. The other night, Riggs plugged the cork, plucked the cork from his instrument and quaffed freely the fake blood within. Then he barred over the, this guy spelled so much shit wrong. Then he barfed over the front row. Colleagues mutter about Riggs' little eccentricities. And this is this is this is, I think, where I said like these people, uh, uh, which include an ever expanding knife collection. I mean, people that collect knives are fucking losers, you know, but then, <laughs> yeah, as long as you only have one knife, then you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Dancer Sherry Kitty Moon zombies, current paramour informs your Rolling Stone reporter last night on the bus. Riggs said he was going to kill you. And it's like, uh, okay, cool. <laughs> you know like it just, <laughs> yeah it, they come off so insufferable and rolling stone does that to people sometimes yes and, and i would be inclined to say that like maybe rolling this rolling stone writer is like a guy that writes like in a really weird prose for a rolling stone magazine but like it's written in this like high school being like edgy high school guy trying to be like flowery way, like how you would think you're supposed to write for Rolling Stone. But even just somebody sitting down next to you and saying, my guitar player was going to stab you last night. is like, what's that? I mean, is that cool? Like, is, am I supposed to like be scared or am I supposed to like be mad about that? Or is it just something you want me to write in the article to make Riggs sound like a wacky fucking guy? Yeah. I think Rolling Stone, I love doing the Rolling Stone articles when we get them for the bands, because they're all from this like late nineties, early aughts time period, which was sort of the last bastion of the like almost famous type rock journalism where everything has to be about the boys on the bus mentality and you know like the orgy article where they knocked out ceiling tiles and you know it's all about oh we get drunk and we fuck chicks and we do drugs you know and that's what people wanted the internet didn't exist back then and they wanted to believe these like rock people were like bigger than life and then and then the internet happened and everyone was like, oh, these guys are, it's like you said earlier, it's like, oh, these guys actually just like sit around for most of the day. Like yeah. being a musician is just mostly sitting around. It's not that exciting. And so 
but it just felt like this was what rock journalism like had to be. And this is like the last era of it where it was like, it was like almost swallowing itself whole where they were like every article, we just got to find some stuff like this to put in there. It's crazy. They're, they're just, these guys are, you can't even believe how crazy they are. Yeah. I loved uh, later on in the Rolling Stone article, there's more proof uh, that Rob Zombie just seems insufferable to work with. Uh, so this is again from Sean Yasso or Yasu or y- or y- Y Salt, whatever. Uh, from White Zombie, who, oh, by the way, was also Rob Zombie's romantic partner um, uh, for part of their time in, in Rob Zombie or in White Zombie as well. So the, it says White Zombie co-founder Yasu Yasu was informed of Zombie's decision by conference call. Even so, she bears no ill will toward her former partner. Rob is definitely driven, she says. He has a vision and he gets it done. And there's a lot to be said for that. She's speaking from a small Oklahoma City club where she's performing with her new all-girl band, Famous Monsters. I definitely don't want anything as serious or grueling as White Zombie again, but it was great while it lasted. I had a blast. Rob Zombie pleads ignorance about the current fortunes of any former colleagues. And just in case you suspect that there's any mushy nostalgia hidden behind that gnarled exterior, he adds, I could give a crap what anyone's doing. Yeah, so... Here's the last one I have, John. Sure. Which is, I'm going to read this. This is why I I didn't like him. Uh, In some ways, I feel like I'm the let's cut the BS guy in rock right now, he says. Like, he's Dennis Leary. You know what? He's a Reddit guy slash Dennis Leary. And I would have never thought this of Rob Zombie until you made me learn about Rob Zombie. Yeah, like he's he's a dick. He doesn't like respect the people he works with. And also he calls himself the let's cut the BS guy in rock music right now. I like that. We both decided that that was a bad. Yeah, because it's crazy. It's like just just no one describes them like people who are actually the no BS guys don't say I'm the no BS guy that doesn't. Yeah, that, that's like the main it's like uh, it's like being cool. You know, it's like you can't be cool if you say you're cool. It's like the same kind of thing. You can't be a no nonsense guy if you're like, ah, you know what? I'm pretty fucking no nonsense, man. Uh, it's like it's just so cartoony. I agree. Yeah. And cut the uh, F and BS, right? <laughs> cut, hey, yeah. let's cut the F and BS here in rock music and let's put on a real show for these people. OK, Sick yeah. And if and if you come to my house, guess what? It'll be the same as the show. That's uh, weird. That is. Yes, exactly. That's another weird. Far, he's just it's really weird to like live in it. Live your gimmick like that, you know, because come on, dude. Is he like this all the time? Is there times where he's like. I mean, obviously, he says he watches a lot of TV, but are there times yeah, he where he like to talk go, about that? Does he go on walks with Sherry Moon Zombie, or does he like, you know, watch something that came out after the year nineteen seventy three? Does any of that go on or anything like that? Does he see like, I don't know? Does he see the Marvel movies? Does he do? <laughs> is like he doesn't seem like a real guy and then you read the stuff about him and he seems like an asshole so it's it's super hard to like this guy but 
That being said, he's made some of the best songs ever. I mean, in in metal, I would say some of the uh, maybe some of the most fun songs. Yeah, in metal, he really Rob Zombie. I think is the only metal artist that consistently makes party anthems. That because metal is so hard to play at a party, but if you play his shit at a party, people go fucking crazy for it. They love it, and it's a good fun time. And it's not. And now that I know that his goal is to replace the Monster Mash, it's like, well, that's. I mean, if that's what you're shooting for, Rob, you fucking did it, buddy. You fucking made the new <laughs> Monster Mash. It's called Dragula and Living Dead Girl, and I fucking love them. I and agree. Super Beast, by the way, Super Beast, yeah, fucking also kicks good. Ass. How would yeah. you? That's a good question that I was thinking. How would you rank the three? I think I go Living Dead Girl, Dragula, Super Beast in that order. Oh, I would go Drac, uh, uh, Super Beast, Dragula, and Living Dead Girl because Living Dead Girl's always been kind of annoying to me. It's I just like it a little bit. Like I think I like it the least out of it any of these songs. Like the good ones, I think I like it the least. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah, uh, and maybe have heard it just too many times. Too many times. I yeah. I just yeah. think I love that chorus. It's kind of a little bit slower and more plodding, and I like the. The guitar is very like grind. It's got that like so that it's got that real grindy sound in it. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was really super, good. Super I would beast. have said coming into this episode that it was Dragula, Super Beast, Living Dead Girl last, but then listening to it through this time changed my mind, and I went first Super Beast. Super Beast sounds like a white zombie song. That's yes, what I, I for mean, sure. Super Beast really catches the vibe of white zombie. Uh, the other ones, I mean. Yeah, I mean, they all sound like White Zombie. I'm not going to say that they don't sound as much like White Zombie. They they all sound just like White Zombie songs. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> I just have two more very quick quotes. Uh, this one, he talks about this in a bunch of articles, too, which, again, this is another thing that just is simply not true. Uh, Zombie spent his formative years in Haverhill, Massachusetts, a depressed industrial outpost. The singer describes as quote, a place where nothing ever happens. Some magazine voted it the number one worst place to live a few years ago. There was just nothing to do there except hang out in cemeteries. They had these old new England style graveyards. And we just used to play around in those all the time. No, you didn't. You did not spend most. Of, and he talks about this in two different interviews that he just mostly hung out in cemeteries as a kid. And maybe he did, but that's not what they did. Kids did not just <laughs> hang out in cemeteries. Him I'm and sorry. Spider. Yeah. Him and spider played catch in a cemetery maybe or something, but it wasn't like him and the boys were just heading out on a Friday night to hang out in the cemetery. That's a straight up lie. And then I also love the one from the ink 19 article where he claims to have invented Jason from the Friday yeah. the 13th movie. So good. Cause the question is not even related to it. And he's like, I gotta, I gotta get this in there. The question is what's the strangest thing you've ever dressed up for as uh, dressed up as for Halloween. Well, the strangest thing and probably the stupidest thing, but now it seems kind of funny. When I was in kindergarten, I was obsessed with monsters and I was also obsessed with hockey. I wanted to be a professional hockey player. I was like, how can I make a costume out of these two things? And I made something combining a hockey uniform and a caveman mask, sort of like a hockey monster. Then years later, there was like Friday the 13th with Jason running around in a hockey mask. It's not stupid anymore, but at the time it seemed so absurd. I spent 
spent most of the night trying to explain to everybody what my costume was. And so oh, it's like, God dang it. it's like, why would you, what is the, oh man, you guys know Jason? Fuck. I w- I came <laughs> up with that 10 years before they did to Friday the 13th. It's like, come on, dude. Parallel thinking. Yeah, that was parallel thinking. <laughs> I came up with Jason and fucking, you know, it's crazy. They made all the money from it, but I came <laughs> up with Jason. Yeah, I love that. Just as a just as an addendum, uh, it's it's such a beautiful thing. Uh, well, Brian, we are here at the rating port portion of the show. Uh, if this is your first time ever listening to the POD cast, first of all, welcome. Second of all, uh, this is how we rate the the album. We do a tweet defense. Uh, so what that means is if someone were to tweet at you that Hellbilly Deluxe sucks or that Rob Zombie sucks, it's how many tweets would you go uh, to defend Rob Zombie's honor? And uh, Brian, we'll start with you. What is your what is your tweet defense score of Hellbilly Deluxe? I'm going to give it a seven. I'm okay. going to say a seven because that sounds high, but it's also low, but it's high, right? Like I am intending it to be high, but I also know that in the pantheon of my ratings, it's kind of low. Yes, seven. I'm giving it a seven. So it's like a John's three is what I'm trying to give it, basically. Well, guess what, Brian? My tweet defense score is three. Uh, Yeah, so we scored this exactly the same. We scored it the same because my justification is my tweet defense would be the three songs. So someone would say Hellbelly Deluxe sucks. I just post the video of Dragula. They go, this sucks. I post the video of Living Dead Girl. They go, this sucks. I post the video of Super Beast and then we're done. Uh, So, yeah, so there you have it. We we don't often agree. We usually actually have a pretty separate, uh, at least on the tweet defense. You and I, I think most of the time agree about the vibe of an album, Uh, but uh, we don't often agree on the score. So. A seven and a three for longtime listeners of the show will know that that is pretty much us agreeing on a score. The first five of the seven tweets are going to be asking if they ever heard of Man Cow, though. So (laughs) (laughs) that's going to be. Did you know Rob Zombie does the Howard Stern's theme song that he opens the show with every day? That would be one of the tweets. Uh, So, you know, does he? So oh. uh, it's called American Nightmare and Howard Stern sings on it, too. Oh, wow. That's like uh, that's why just wa- they washed his voice out and like put it behind a bunch of distortion and he just kind of reads stuff off. But, yeah, it's Rob Zombie and Howard Stern. And uh, it's a song about Howard Stern called American Nightmare. And uh, that is his theme music. That's awesome. Uh, well, there you have it. There's our, our, our review of Hellbilly Deluxe. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash the PODcast. That's PODcast with a K, like the band Corn. We do three bonus episodes every single month, and it's only $4 a month, the best deal in podcasting. We do one full-length bonus episode where we review a compilation of sorts, although this month, Brian, we are dipping back into the world of documentaries. We're reviewing digital connectivity the fear factory documentary so that's going to be a film. wild one film it's called film sorry film film 
Film. I used to have an anthropology professor that would call them <laughs> films. I've heard that. And I was, and I was like, come on, come on, man. Uh, yeah, but yes, cut it out. Cut it you out. Know? Cut out that business. Cut out the business, you know. Um, but yes, we're going to be reviewing that Fear Factory documentary film. Uh, so that's going to be coming up. And then we do two singles episodes. So they're shorter, kind of 15 to 20 minute reviews of singles. So it's three bonus episodes a month. That's all over on our Patreon. You can also follow us on Twitter at the POD underscore cat. That's where we do all the polls. It's where you can vote on who won challenges, all that kind of thing. Very important stuff. So, uh, you, you know, we're, I, I know that you don't always want to follow podcasts on Twitter, uh, but we are the rare exception because you, the listener get to decide so many things on this show. So to follow us on Twitter at the POD underscore cast. And speaking of things, people get to decide on, we're going to head into the challenge. Uh, this is the portion of the show where Brian and I do a do something, some sort of challenge, some friendly competition based on this album. Uh, and Brian, I have some news. I'm now on a two month winning streak. Uh, last month we renamed an al- or sorry, we named an album after a movie like Power Man 5000 had done. And uh, I defeated Brian rather handily, actually, 65% to 35%. So we are tied. We're not only tied in the tweet defense, we are tied in the overall challenges score. We have won 12 each with one tie. Uh, and so this month, Uh, Brian, our challenge, very simple, very simple challenge this month. Obviously, Rob is Rob Zombie's real first name, but then, of course, Zombie, not his last name. He's just Rob Cummings. So our task is to create uh, a new metal alter ego uh, a la Rob Zombie. uh, And uh, Brian, I'll let you I'll let you go first. I'm going to lose this one so bad. (laughs) Because I have to do this, but I'm going to do it. My name will be Brian X Murder. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were just going to say Murder Brian, but Brian X Murder is pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And Brian, I I will say, though, not not to like, I don't want to influence the results at all but brian x murder is a real bass player ass name like you sound like you'd be the bass player in rob zombie's band that's brian x murder yeah he's like, gonna okay, stab yeah. you last night yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly oh man that's good brian x murder okay and do you have any like do you have any uh, a costume or anything like that uh, you know, similar to Rob Zombie with the dreadlocks and the contact lenses and all that. Do you have anything like that in mind? I would do like bib overalls with a flannel shirt under them and work boots. And then like my regular hat. So I look kind of like a guy that would be like a conservative farmer type. But then mm. I would just come out and be a fucking pervert on stage, you know? <laughs> okay. Brian X pervert. Okay. I get it. <laughs> yeah. uh, nice. Okay. Uh, I love it. That's wonderful. Um, I went, uh, not that zombie obviously doesn't sound anything like Cummings, but I sort of thought I wanted to go in a direction where my name would sound like my current name. So I'm going John Goblin. Uh, which I think is just a, a classic, uh, you know, just a classic new metal name. But what I thought, though, is I was going to do like a, like a new metal sort of or sort of like a double entendre because my name would be John Goblin. But then my thing would be that I'm like a werewolf 
and I like eat because, you know, werewolves always get the, you know, they get the bloody mouths and stuff. So my big like stage thing would be that I like eat like raw meat on stage or whatever. And I, cause I'm like, I'm gobbling the meat, you know? So I'm like, and then I, I also have a very sensitive stomach. So I probably throw up a lot and people seem to like that for some reason. Like I hate watching people throw up, but people in metal, you know, metal audiences love when dudes throw up. So that would like probably be my thing. I'd be like John Goblin spelled the traditional G O B L I N. But then I would, <laughs> but then I would like eat stuff that would be like freaky and also maybe would make people throw up. And I would dress like a werewolf. I thought you were going to say John Cummings. After you said <laughs> John <laughs> Robert Cummings. Cummings. Yeah. John between Cummings. John, John, all John, the fucking time. <laughs> yeah. Just I'm like Rammstein. I'm just I pull out the <laughs> plastic dick and I just fake jizz all over the audience. Enjoy it while it lasts, folks. Uh, so great stuff. So there you go. Uh, the, the you'll be able to decide on the winner of the challenge next month. Uh, and then we also uh, we finish off every episode with a poll. Uh, so this is our, our favorite part of the show. This is where Brian and myself will both nominate two albums uh, to put up on the poll. And then you, the listener, will get to decide what album we review next month. And again, all those polls are found on Twitter. So if you want to have a chance to vote in the poll, make sure you're following us at the POD underscore cast. Brian, uh, what two albums are you putting up this month? Okay. I don't have a theme other than I'm injecting new blood in again. Me too. I'm actually going new blood this month as well. I'm going as new as I can. Okay. So the first album is 311, (laughs) self-titled album, 311. Okay. I do not want to listen to 311. Number two is none other than vanilla ice with hard to swallow (laughs) (laughs) holy fuck this is this is gonna be i'm just gonna say right now this is gonna be the most obscure month we've ever done i mean not that not that 311 is super obscure but but vanilla ice's new metal album and then the two i'm choosing are very obscure as well so this this poll is gonna be very interesting uh so This is partly inspired by, uh, Brian, we've talked before about one of our listeners, Holiday Kirk. Uh, He's a a new metal artist, and he also was the donor that that, uh, had us listen to the Spike 1000 album. He just put out his top 100 new metal songs of all time, and it was extremely well-written, I thought. I know, Brian, you read it as well. Uh, Very well-researched, well-written, very cool list. I didn't agree with some of the choices, but, you know, certainly... As far as like new metal scholarly research goes, uh, Kirk's got to be the top or that list has got to be the top new metal list that's ever been made. So if you haven't checked it out, it's at holidaykirk.com. But Kirk reminded me of two bands, two new metal ish bands that I love that I don't think have ever been in the poll before. Um, and I would be thrilled to listen to either of these albums because they were both formative albums for me in my youth. The first one is from Alaska's own 36 Crazy Fists, and the album is called Bitterness the Star. Uh, fantastic album. I, I absolutely loved it growing up. And then the other one, which I know if it wins, Brian will not want to listen to it, uh, but it is Taproot's Welcome. 
Uh, oh, so that was there. Yeah, that's that was a their, good one, though. I like it a lot. Yeah, it was their second album. Their first album was called Gift, and then their second one was Welcome. I liked Welcome a little better than Gift. Uh, but yeah, Holiday Kirk had both of both Taproot and 36 Crazy Fists in his top 20. And I was like, you know what? I don't think either one of them have been on a poll, and those are some obscure new metal bands that would be fun to listen to for this show. So there you go. I, I almost put 36 Crazy Fists in mine and have a numbers theme. Oh, but with 311 really and 36 wanted, Crazy Fists. I really wanted to put that Vanilla Ice album on there. Yeah. And uh, just a quick thing, real quick. Uh, yeah. I Googled Haverhill, Massachusetts, and it seems like a simply delightful place to live. <laughs> if it doesn't come up at all, it's one of the worst places to live. You have a 1 in 54 chance of being a victim of any crime. That's a statistically... 29% lower than the national average of crime. So there's like no crime there. They said there's a bunch of wonderful restaurants in town. And it, by all accounts, from what I can tell, Haverhill, Massachusetts is a perfectly fine place to live. Well, there you go. So suck it, Rob Zombie. You lied. Well, he also said he remembers when they got their first McDonald's. But he's also old. Like, lots of towns probably got their first McDonald's. Like, he's like, oh, we weren't even on the map. And then we got a McDonald's. And he even said in the article, when we got a McDonald's, I was like, ooh, let's plan the parade. And it was like, well, probably lots of restaurants got their first McDonald's. Or sorry, lots of cities got their first McDonald's in the 80s. That was not like an irregular occurrence. Uh, But in any case... Yeah, I mean, obviously, we know this Rob Zombie guy. We know what he's we know what he's doing. We know Brian. what he's up to. Um, yeah. So there you go. You've got three eleven. You've got Vanilla Ice. You've got thirty six Crazy Fists. You got Taproot. Uh, it's going to be an interesting episode twenty seven. I'm excited to see that poll. It's going to be very good. Uh, so thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we always appreciate it, of course. Uh, again, if you want to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash the POD cast. You can follow us on Twitter at the POD underscore cast. Of course, cast with a K like the band corn. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a, a part of this wonderful community and um, this new metal community. I feel like, uh, you know, cause I, I retweeted Kirk's one top 100 and then there were people were saying nice things about our show too, including Kirk. So that just, you know, I just feel like, uh, I feel a little warm and fuzzy, Bry. So in any case, thank you. Thank you. Uh, thanks everybody. And, uh, we'll see you back here next month. Goodbye.